0: So uh, welcome, everyone, to uh, this show that is yet to be named. It's the the Mike and Colin show. Yeah. Um, I'm Colin McFadden. And I'm Mike Woodworth. And uh, we are two guys. Maybe, Mike, you want to introduce who we are a little bit? Sure. So um, I am Mike Woodworth
1: still, and I am the founder of Divergent Media makers of Clipwrap and Scopebox. Uh, I've been a video editor and a colorist and a couple other things over the years, and now I write software for video. Colin is the newest addition to the team, the second addition to, the only addition to the team so far. Um, Tell us about your history and
0: such. Yeah, um, so I um, am also have a, a video background and a software development background. So I've done um, you know shooting and editing and systems integration and design um, and as well as software development in a variety of fields. Um, and we both go way back um, to Wisconsin as kids. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we both you know sort of tolerate each other um, at this point in our lives. Wow, well, we antagonize each other. Yeah, but I mean in a tolerable way. We haven't actively tried to hurt each other for a while. Yeah, that's true. Although it is around the 4th of July again, so all bets are off. So um, I think what we're thinking for this show, since we are both um, people with with a, a foot in the video industry and a foot in the, the software development industry, particularly software on the, the Mac and on the Apple platforms, um, we want to sort of focus on, you know, both what's up and coming in in that space, but also try and offer some depth um, about some of these topics because we um, understand there's so little of it. Well, there's there's a lot of other people out there who can tell you what happened this week um, in the media. Um, But if you're someone who's really interested in what's going on behind the scenes at a a pretty low level or you want, you know, snarky opinions about those things, uh, we can deliver both of those things in equal measure. So yes, very very geeky video tech. Right, and we'll uh, we'll just see how it goes. So, um, do we want to launch into our first topic? Our topic. Sure. Yes. So, um, as you may have heard, if you're uh, if you've been on Twitter or blogs or anything for the last uh, week or so, um, Apple released Final Cut Ten, Final Cut X. Um, X. I I will try calling it both. Are not they? Yeah, they are. Um, they released that last week. Um, the entire world lost its mind, and uh, uh, we've had much gnashing of teeth and rending of garments since then. Um, from every you know everyone who's committed themselves to Final Cut. Um, you know, we were both at the sneak peek that Apple gave of Final Cut X um, back in April, and I think um, since then we've both been sort of under the assumption that yeah, it's. It's not going to be ready for everyone on the day it launches, but it seems like um it caught a lot of people by surprise.
1: Yeah. So I mean, we've been I don't know, when did you when did you start with Final Cut? I think I started with 1, maybe I mean I'm pretty sure I saw it before 1 came out.
0: And um, I didn't really minor. start using it till 3. I used a 2 a bit, but mostly 3. Okay, so you you don't remember how
1: horrible it was in the beginning. Um, I worked, so I had, I actually used it a little bit in college. I, uh, recently, um, I'm a bit of a pack rat and I recently went through and found, uh, all my receipts for my first edit station, which was a blue and white G3 with an $800 20 gig SCSI ultra wide drive in it. And a, uh, I think I had the, uh, that was the first machine that had FireWire on it, so I would like scour the city and found a ninety dollar FireWire cable <laughs> uh,
0: to plug in my little Sony analog adapter. Wow! And unlike a unlike a Thunderbolt cable, that that FireWire cable wasn't full of like chips and stuff.
1: No, it was it was just a dumb
0: cable, but it was thir- like fifteen feet long. Yeah, just <laughs> it's a nice cable. I still have it. <laughs> We gotta frame it. Amortized that was a worthwhile investment. Yeah. But uh I remember even like so shortly
1: after that I moved to New York and one of my first gigs was at a company called Oxygen Media, which was the women's network. Um, which just now, like an NBC something. Um, which was I one of the first uh companies to put Final Cut Pro into broadcast production. And I, you know, I was there a little later, I was there like one, two, five. Um, But even when I got there, I remember having, you know, sit down meetings with the engineering team from Final Cut where, you know, there'd be a bunch of us who had done editing or, you know, at that point I was an assistant editor and a post-production supervisor. But where we would just be like, so, you know, it, when you do this, it doesn't work. And the guys would be like, no, no, that, that totally works. And then you'd be like, no, here's when it doesn't. And they're like, ah, you know, the one guy in the corner would be like, yeah, I can see why that would happen. And then they'd get out their laptop, their old Pismo, and they'd be like, do, 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 And they'd pull open the source code, and the two guys would sit there and point at the different things and be like, yeah, that'll be fixed soon. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and so... Yeah, I mean, the, the well, I think I, it's important to put that in the context, though, of um, you know the dramatic shift that the industry was going through. Beyond just that, that you know, DV was really pushing costs down and and bringing availability up, um, and and so I I think the way I see it in terms of some of the the anger is that you know back then Final Cut could get away with being not being a lot of things because it was you know. S- so unique in the power it did give people who previously didn't have anything
1: uh, well one there was that and two the people who adopted it did so by choice right so i mean the advantage that it had then that it doesn't have now is that most people thought it would never be a usable tool Right. I mean, most people were actively saying, "I'm never going to use this," which they're doing now. The problem is they're already using; they've already bought into the suite, and they're saying, "I'm not going to use this."
0: Right. And um, I, I think, um, I mean, it probably wasn't until around three that people started talking about it for things like feature film production and in a in a serious way. I mean, you know, there's always going to be some someone who will shoot a feature film and cut it together with iMovie or you know a video toaster or something, but. Right. Um, you know, in 1.2.5, it was certainly more, um, you know, commercial production, industrial production, TV, some TV. Wedding videographers. Right. The like, you know, with their 50s.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it. yeah, it was. Well, I mean, one, it was the first system to
0: support TV, I believe, at least in a way that was, you know, seamless like this, where it wasn't like go buy a DV codec from someone and, you know. Or Although, although remember, go F- C- C- S-Video yeah. S- out and then into your Avid capture card. Right, right. And so, I mean, since then, you know, since 3, and especially, I think, you know, 4.5, where, you know, at much higher levels, people started taking taking Final Cut very seriously. Um, you know, it's become the number one selling video, uh, NLE. It's become, you know, fairly... Universal. At least there's a few seats in just about any post house, if if nothing else, because they need one to open projects that come in. But right, uh, and it's become the the default choice for most most schools, um, most, most you know higher ed schools at least, um, and a, in a lot of um, high schools as well. And so there's a lot of people out there who know who know Final Cut, um, and you know have built workflows around it, and they all feel betrayed. Right, and I think. I, I totally understand that. I think. Okay, um, good. I, I, I think about, you know, a third of the anger is genuine. You know, I can't do my work with this. Um, you know, a third is an aversion to change. And and a third is people like to be mad at Apple. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's not quite the right split. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of people who's, who's existing, you know, Yes, you can't sit down at Final Cut X and continue where you left off in Final Cut 7, but for most people, when we look at the platform as a whole, for most people, Final Cut X can do what they need. They're just going to have to learn how to do it again. Right, and I think, I think that's also what worries a lot of people. Um, I think what
1: happened was, I mean, they Apple, it, this was a really rare product rollout for apple at least in recent times because they actually pre-announced it and pre-demoed it that's you know usually they wait and just say like look what we got it's done right or they you know and so the fact that they showed final cut ahead of time was a was a response to a you know a real problem that they've had over the last few years which was they hadn't at least you know and at least publicly, they hadn't really touched
0: any of this. Right. Final Cut 7 was a slight polish. And I mean, right. it wasn't a major release. And in hindsight, it definitely feels like it was much <laughs> like Snow <laughs> Leopard. It was let's polish a bunch of bugs and put a, a line in the sand that this it is. Was an,
1: it was end of life in something.
0: Final yeah. Cut Classic. We've, we fixed all the sort of major outstanding issues. We're not adding things. And you can continue running this for the next five years. Right, I mean, the problem is that they they didn't fix all
1: the problems, and a lot of people have been spending a lot of time watching the other companies making you know finally catching up and making incremental improvements I mean, the media composer is finally surpassed final cut seven i think right i I think okay. that's, I think, sweet. that's I think that's true of Adobe now at this point too I mean if you you know like adobe if you if you can stomach adobe's you know, sort of way of doing things. Right, yeah. And I mean, you know. Technically, it's better than, their suite is better than Apple's suite at this point. Right. Yeah. And so people have been sitting around waiting and sort of trying to decide exactly, you know, how long
0: they can they can sort of deal with the indignity of Apple ignoring them. Right. Well, and I think, you know, interestingly, obviously, you know, leading up to NAB, there was a growing chorus of people saying, if Apple doesn't make a big move, I'm leaving the platform. Right, which is why I think they pre-announced. And of course now what's happened was, is they've done a big move and people are saying they're going to leave the platform.
1: Well, and I think I think that's a continuation of it because what they've, you know, what the the thing everyone has been worried about for the last few years is that this wasn't, that this market wasn't a high priority for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, they've laid a, a great, You know, foundation with all the the stuff under the hood, which we'll get into in in a little bit. But the problem is, is that they've the initial offering is not targeted at the people who were most skittish about you know staying in
0: the relationship. And so, what's what's your sense? Do you do you think Apple doesn't care about pros, which is the 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 um, chorus on the internet? That's what Kanye West says time you ring them up? Yeah. Um,
1: I, yeah. I mean, not insofar, as, I mean, they care about numbers. And I think, I think, go ahead. I think it matters to them. I mean, I think in a lot of ways they want to be the the premier system because that drives a lot of sales, um, you know, aspirational sales. Mm-hmm. But I think they think they can sort of cannibalize the Final Cut legacy for that just fine. I mean, I don't think they think that all of this bad... I mean, I don't think they... One, I don't think they thought they were going to get this much bad press. And two, I mean, now I don't think they think it's going to hurt them too much with, you know, people who are just starting or people who want something moving
0: up from movie or people
1: who just likes spending money in the app store.
0: I think, you know, obviously the the wider technology industry has shifted so much since the sort of I would say around 2005 was really the height, uh, for yeah. me at least, of sort of the digital video revolution. And since then, things have been much, much more stable. We're not seeing the level of innovation. And, you know, Apple really bought into that and um, obviously, you know, ramped up their suites and bought, bought a lot of products. But I think they also learned, especially with the the shake acquisition but with, and the color acquisition, um, that, you know, it's not that much fun to support the the 50 seats of, um, you know, this super high-end product because, you know, it's, the people are very demanding and um, you have to support them in a way that a company like Apple isn't used to supporting people. Um, and that, you know, when you can't push that technology down, which with something like a nodal compositor, you know, it's I think maybe they thought they could and, and decided they couldn't or, or whatever. Um, right. I don't know. I, th- I, think, I mean, you could argue that motion was that. Yeah, I, I think motion is you know accomplishes that end, but um, I doubt it's what they had in mind when they bought Nothing Real. Uh, yeah, but I you know, I, I think that you know Apple definitely doesn't care about pros in the way that pros wish Apple cared about them. But I don't think they they. You know, ever really have? I think it's just no, you know they don't care about any of their customers right. the way their customers want them to. I think you know what Apple cares about are the, the next generation of pros as well, and I think Final Cut X is great for them. You know, I think Final Cut is an amazing product for someone who's getting into video um, and learning the craft and you know honing their skills. I think it's it's a great tool, but I I I mean I completely understand why someone who cuts full time doesn't have the bandwidth to relearn a new tool. And you know, well, yeah, about I mean, but they're going to have to do that either way. Well, but I think the the lateral transition from Final Cut to Premiere, especially, is is fairly painless. You know, moving to Avid is always painful, but that's just because Avid is a little painful if you haven't grown. Oh up. God, I love Avid so much. Right, but you can. Don't ever I talk it. about my girlfriend now. <laughs> um. In any case, I you know, I.
1: But I mean, I think
0: I think really. I mean,
1: so I've been in, you know, I did editorial, documentary editorial for a long time. Well, a couple years, um, full time. And I think it depends on the editor. I mean, because you could argue that Final Cut is a much nicer editor than anything else in the market. Mm -hmm. I think I would argue that, that it is, it probably lets you you know, in the same way that there are those people who will, you know, never cut something on final cut because it doesn't have Avid's trim tool. I could see you getting that attached to some of the new functionality in, you know, with the magnetic timeline and the auditioning and the J cuts that don't have to do all the junk and you don't have to, you know, move stuff out of the way in order to do a, a slice. I mean, it's, that stuff all makes editing quicker, mm-hmm. I would say, and it gets out of your way and it lets you tell the story. I think the problem is is that Final Cut. So I I think I think Final Cut X would be an easier sell to Avid editors than to Final Cut editors because Avid editors have been traditionally the have that that hierarchy where you've got the guy who comes in in the morning. And someone's already turned on his machine and someone's already opened the project and he doesn't know how to do either of those two things. And he sits down and he cuts all day. And when he leaves, you know, when it when the cut is done and it needs to go to tape or it needs to go to the web or, you know, somebody needs to watch it at home like the other guy comes in and does the layoff or does the media managed or Absolutely. gets it ready for. And I think for those sort of people, you know, final cut X is, would be a great sell. The problem is that hasn't been the type of people that final cuts been targeting all these years. Final cuts said, like, no, listen, you can manage your own media. Don't, you know, don't tell. And, you know, it's really been lots of like work from home. Absolutely. Stuff on, you know, freelance editors, people, you know, people who, you know, in driving down the cost of this, they've also driven down, you know, production schedules. Absolutely. So they've driven it down the sort of like the crew that gets, you know, that, that's in one room and the support structures and everything. I mean, Final Cut editors have traditionally had to deal with the entire workflow. Like you go in, you do your own, you know, you do your own capture, you do your own layback, you do your own media management. You do your own, you know. You prep everything for the sound mix and everything, and that's the stuff that Final Cut X is really bad
0: at, right? Thank well, you. and I think that you know, both of us had that reaction walking out of the Super Meet in Las Vegas in April. Was this is great for editors? It's horrible for workflows. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, Apple agrees. They've they've killed Final Cut Server, um, and you know, they're just big parts of the workflow that legitimately you can't you can't do today. I am. I'm really optimistic. I'm very bullish that they're gonna open up enough APIs and then let the community, you know, the developer community bring some really cool stuff to the plate. And, you know, we may see a repeat of the old cycle where develop you know, indies will come up with cool stuff and Apple will bring them in-house eventually. I don't know. But I think, you know, I, I think there's definitely gonna be a painful period, I think, between an increased pace of iteration from Apple and a developer community that is much, much stronger than it was 10 years ago, I think that, you know, a lot of these things will be addressed in in relatively short order. Uh, So you, I mean, you see this as a, I'm trying to think
1: of a recent product where Apple has allowed a lot of third-party extension.
0: Well, no, I think they're going to give a, I mean, they've already said they're going to give APIs related to import and export. And I think that's the biggest thing you need because then you can build suite apps around, you know, capture that pushes right into a Final Cut project, layoff that pulls yeah. right out of a Final Cut project, you know, higher end management, um, all kinds of other things, even translation from old projects if you're, you know, willing to give up all the things that you give up in that translation process. I mean the
1: problem the question with that is whether is how apple's going to handle that. Apple has a lot of things that they a lot of extensive you know even like so the old final cut they had a way to write an importer and a way to write an exporter, which they never publicly documented right, and they never you couldn't even as a developer ask for. Like, they would
0: come to you and say, hey, you
1: should really make an importer or an exporter for this game. Or, or
0: with something like Sony, it's, hey, we wrote <laughs> an importer
1: for you. Could you put this on your website? Right. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's going to be the model going forward. Like, I don't think so. I think that
0: they're going to have an SDK. That they release public, yeah. like, on their developers. The account. developers. I would, hmm, I would be surprised, actually. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, what I've seen... Um, um, the plugin side, because you know, frankly, I was shocked that they have as deep a plugin support as they have. I kind of thought it was going to shake plugin support, but um, actually, what they've done is is really neat. Um, so they've they've revved the FX plug architecture to FX plug two, um, and added a ton of things that people have been begging for. FX plug two is is a pretty robust architecture now. Um, but the way it works is that you motion is the only thing that loads FF, FX plugs directly, and then you sort of build. Final Cut effects um, within Motion and then Final Cut can see them. Now, as a a plugin developer, you can ship an installer that installs those those pre-made Final Cut effects so a Final Cut user doesn't have to have Motion installed on their system and they get a plugin just like the old way. But what's neat is that you can have your FX plug in Motion be super rich um, and super deep and then you can do a a more simplified version for Final Cut that makes sense in the context of what you want to do in Final Cut someone can you know right. drop that on their video right away. And if they need to go deeper, they can go into motion and get access to all the parameters. Um, right. So this is basically an extension of what they've done in the past with the motion templates. Right. And they've done some of that stuff as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same idea where you, you make a project in motion and then import it in as an asset in Final Cut. And then you can, what, what they call it is rigging. You can rig mm-hmm. up, things. So like you could, you know, like in the old Final Cut Studio, you could have a motion project, which was a lower third that animated in and out and then you have text and then the, you know, you put in your like slug text, but then you could, I don't, I don't know if they called it rig back then, but you, you know, in the new model, you'd set up a rigging, which is the, that field where you used to enter your text. You say, I'm going to enter that later. Right, And then in Final Cut, you would get what looked like a plugin
0: sort of settings. Men, you know, yeah, and new. it was fantastic. It was something I used all the time on projects because it let you create a really nice lower third and, uh-huh. repl- and duplicate it multiple times without the really painful round-tripping process. Right,
1: and it lets you do things like bake in the animation in and the fade out and all that stuff that when you try to do that in Final Cut, you end up you know, invariably copying something wrong or having, you know, 42 lower thirds, one of which doesn't fade out for some reason.
0: Right. Um, Yeah. Um, So let's jump into um, why they couldn't do Final Cut 8. Okay. Okay. So let's go through some of the reasons. I mean, you know, because that's what people are saying is why couldn't they just do another revision of Final Cut 7, you know, another revision to old Final Cut, well, let's let's go back even further and and do
1: why they were able to do Final Cut One through Seven. Sure. And so so what happened was Final Cut was like everything else in the studio. Sorry, dog. Yeah, we both have dogs, so you may hear them periodically. Well. So Final Cut One through Seven was based on an acquisition they made. It was a Macro Media product, right? Yep. Key Grip. Yeah. And so this was something that Macromedia had spent a number of years designing
0: and working on. And somehow there's actually a, a deeper link back to Adobe as well. This was like a a renegade premiere group that Adobe really was never gonna, you know, be a shipping product. And so they went to Macromedia. Yeah. Interesting. I mean I knew it was Randy, but I didn't know that it was. I mean, the the lead guy
1: on there's really only one guy has ever written in LA, <laughs> it seems like. This guy, Randy Ubelius, Um, and he did, he did Premiere and then he did Key Grip with Macromedia. Which never shipped. Which never shipped and was then bought by Apple. And at the time that Apple bought it, it was sort of like a floundering Mac PC, you know, system. Similar to Premiere, where you would be able to use it on both systems and port your projects back and forth. And And, when Apple bought it, they basically dumped the PC
0: side, cleaned everything up, and shipped. Right, well, and they thought that initially, at least, you know, story goes, that Steve wanted to give it away free and have it essentially be iMovie. Um, and Randy fought really hard to make it a $1,000 product because he had a vision for it being a a, a pro-level product and knew that no one would accept it if it was a freebie with your iMac. Interesting. But, I mean, one of the reasons why this was so much easier to ship on the Mac, you know, one of the
1: reasons why this didn't work when they were trying to ship on both things is because the Mac since the early, you know, the mid-'80s has had QuickTime on it, which is this, like, giant... Set of code for doing everything time-based you would ever need to do. So it handles time-based video, time-based audio, syncing them together, playing them back, editing them, in just to export. Yeah. Every yeah. So everything from like the iSight camera, you know, going into iChat to laying tape back to Digibeta can all be handled by QuickTime. The old stalwart QuickTime. And they've been, you know, it was a giant undertaking for Apple. They started. When did that ship with System? It was '90 uh, 90 or '91 that it first shipped, I believe. Is that true? Yeah, I thought it was earlier than that. Uh, I will have to look at some of my early writings. But, um, but so yeah, so they have been slowly iterating that ever since, you know, the early days of the Macintosh, and the problem now, is that everything is based on QuickTime, which they have been slowly iterating since the days of the early Macintosh. Right. is just, you
0: know, it, it's a lot has, 20 a lot has changed. Yeah, 20, years 20 years of, of code that started on 68K on classic OS, Mac OS in Pascal. Right. That was the programming language back then. So it's moved and to PowerPC, to OS X, to Intel. Right.
1: Um, it's gone from, I mean, in the beginning, it was, I mean, my, so my first experience with QuickTime, like video, was my Centris 660 AV, which had a built-in video capture card, and I could do 240 by 320 black and white, or grayscale, 16 gray capture in real time at 15 <laughs> second. And so you're, you know, the data rate on that is, you know, what, 300k a second, probably something like that. And so that system has been sort of slowly, you know, duct taped and baling wired up to the point where we're now doing 4k video, RGB, 16 bit, you know, multiple gig a second, right? Throughput. And, and just it doesn't work right <laughs> and final <laughs> cut someone who's now, still writing
0: all of my code in quick it doesn't work anymore and and final cut when it first shipped was shipping on system 8 um i believe it wouldn't have been system 9 i don't think right so it was a carbon app and they've had you know
1: i don't think they ever they never ported it to to coca no, no which no, is no. the new
0: language du jour. so so basically final cut um you know, the big things people wanted were 64-bit Final Cut. That would never have happened with the old code base. Right. Um, so QuickTime quick time is never going to go 64-bit. And Final Cut would have had to move to Cocoa because there's no 64-bit Carbon. Right. Which would have been a ground-up rewrite, but could have happened. Right. Um, people wanted things like you know hardware acceleration for things like H.264, um, which has sort of been hacked into... QuickTime, but not in a way that's useful for, for edited media. Um, right. You know, people wanted people wanted a lot of stuff that QuickTime just was never going to be able to deliver. I mean, you know, you only need to look at what um, if if you've used Snow Leopard, you know that there's there's QuickTime X, um, which is at least according to the um, the story that Apple gave, is they moved the media playback from iOS back to the Mac and it's much more efficient, and and that's because it's not really related to to old QuickTime at all. It's it's a completely separate um, framework behind the scenes. Um, Right, so I mean, so basically
1: years back, um, pretty shortly after LSX shipped, Apple began trying to design a new QuickTime. And it's been a slow process because there's a lot of code to redo. Um, and so, the first iteration of that was playback only on the iPhone, which they then made playback only on the Mac, which was QuickTime Max. And, and behind the scenes on that is something called QTKit, Right. Which is their new Coca-based...
0: Well, it was their new.
1: You're right. QuickTime Max. Yeah. And so, that did playback, rudimentary editing...
0: Um, for a small subset of supported codecs. Right, but, but crucially, in the case of QtKit, had a lot of fallback paths where it could fall back into the old QuickTime um, through a variety right. of mechanisms.
1: Right, it was 64-bit. It allowed hardware acceleration of H.264. Um, it did color syncing to monitors. It did a number of things that they just... We're never going to get around to adding to the original QuickTime. Um, Somewhere along the line, they decided that was not going to cut it. And so they started on a new project called AV Foundation, which is public now, right? Yeah. Okay. And AV Foundation is their new framework. Uh, It's basically, I think, I don't even... You know, in the marketing speak, it's a new thing, but I'm not really sure. It's I think it's a new QuickTime X replaced a couple replaced the high level toolkit right. of QuickTime. AV Foundation is trying to
0: replace the low level foundational stuff from right. QuickTime. So AV, AV Foundation first appeared on iOS four, um, and as at least publicly, as, as something developers could use, and it's first appearing in Lion for uh, Mac developers, uh, again, publicly. Um, and it's sort of, it's based on the, the core stuff, core media and, and, and whatnot. And so it sort of sits just above that level, um, but as an um, Objective-C framework.
1: Mm, AV Foundation, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll
0: give you that. I'm thinking um, core media. Yeah, um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's everything that you would want to build a new time-based media framework around in, in 2011 in terms of 64-bit, hardware acceleration. Um, you know, it, it It's smart about the way it, it deals with media um, that's coming in over the internet and, and other things that you need to deal with in a, in a modern framework. Um, well, uh, yeah, so one caveat, it's the beginning of everything. Yeah, exactly. You would want
1: to build a new Inoleon because what it doesn't have yet Um, is support for third-party hardware. That was just sort of, that is in the process of being done. Um, It doesn't have any third-party layback support. It doesn't have support for codecs beyond the ones you see in Final Cut X. It doesn't have support for, you know, basically everything that everyone knows. You know, up and arms over losing your final cut is something that does not
0: exist right. yet in the underlying foundation. Yeah, um, you're getting a little choppy. I don't know if you've got anything second bandwidth there if we're just dealing with the internet. Oh, love. I think we'll have to power through. Um, so I, I think, you know, AV Foundation is, again, that first step. Um and it's what Final Cut is is based on, at least spiritually, Final Cut X. Um I I assume that because they're running on Snow Leopard, they're sort of doing some internal stuff to make that happen and not using the old version of AV Foundation that shipped with Snow Leopard. But in in any case, um it's got a long ways to go. But it took twenty years to get QuickTime to the point where it was at. Um and they've had, you know, a couple years working on AV Foundation. They, I think they've got some more to go, um, but you can sort of see the you can see the path. Um, and right. It, you know, but, but I think the point is just that they, they there was really nowhere for them to go with with old Final Cut. They could have basically redeveloped it from scratch and implemented the same UI and you know all the same bugs, and it still wouldn't have done everything they wanted because the framework it was built on just can't do that yet. And so I think they were faced with the, you know, real challenge of do we ship something now or do we wait another year and ship something that's more feature complete and let people, you know, sort of go crazy for another year, right? I don't think there was a great solution. I think that, you know, what they did was probably the right thing, poorly managed. Um,
1: Well, I mean, it was from the engineering side, it was the right thing, Right. I don't think from the marketing side or from the customer relations or from the, you know, I think optically they could have done a lot differently. Release it
0: as Final Cut, Express, um, or, you know. Or even just, what I'm surprised, you know, a week later that they haven't done anything to reintroduce Final Cut 7 as a free download if you got Final Cut X installed or something. Because I, I feel like that is the bridge that, is really going to cause people trouble not today, but in three months when you know your Mac Pro hits end of life, you need to buy a new one and you need to buy a new copy of Final Cut because the old license is traveling with that old Mac Pro when it moves down to the PA suite, um, and you can't buy Final Cut Seven anymore, and you're in the middle of a Final Cut Seven project. You know that's that's where people are really going to get burned, and I feel like right. it was the. I, I feel like Apple is is being. Being very apple about this, they're they're being jerks about it um, for no real reason besides they feel like it's a spiritual thing and you should get on the Final Cut X train, right?
1: Although have they not said anything about that yet? I thought nope. they uh,
0: they pulled it from the store and they have there's you know aside from you know buying copies off eBay, there's essentially no way to get Final Cut Studio three at this point. Interesting, um, you know I. I'm still holding out a little hope that they'll do what they did with, with iMovie and, and make it a download or, or you know, right. something, but I guess we'll see. You know, I think, you know, my my perspective is that the people at Apple working on this take it seriously, and, you know, even though their vision doesn't necessarily align with every post house in Los Angeles, you know, I've, we've both spoken to enough people involved in the media group at Apple to know that they understand what they don't do and they understand that there are are things that they're missing um, and that they know they have a ways to go and they know that not everyone's happy but they you know genuinely believe in what they're doing and this isn't a sort of cynical anti-pro sort of thing and and that these aren't evil people. Um, I think they're definitely listening and uh, I I don't know I, I think that the rhetoric gets rather heated on, on internet discussion forums to the point that you forget that the people working on this are just software developers in, you know, Northern California. Right.
1: Although, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I don't think anyone can fault the product, but I think you can fault the company for the way they've handled the rollout itself. Sure. But
0: it's Apple. Yeah. That's what they do. So, uh, we should probably wrap things up. I think we're, we're, kind of a ways into this thing. I don't know how long we want to make it, but starting out with a multi-hour podcast is probably not a way to endear support. Fair enough, fair enough. So uh, we'll do this again and, uh, you know, do a few of these, see how they go, and uh, see if people are interested. Next time, maybe we'll um, talk a little bit more specifically about some other stuff. Um, Leave Final Cut X to see what happens. and, And as I'm telling most people, you know, Final Cut X is right now an interesting product to look at and you should decide whether it's right for you around Christmas, you know, reevaluate what the product is in six months and, and then make your decisions. But um, for now, it's just a neat thing to, to play around with. That seems like the best way to handle things for now.
1: All right. Well, we'll see you, Mike. See you.